Hello, and welcome back to A Texan Abroad. This is the 27th in my series of 30 political conversations, video podcasts, that I'm doing leading up to the election, which is next Tuesday, not far away. I was just reading that more Texas has already cast more votes this year early than they did all of the last presidential election. So I'm interested to see how all of those votes have turned out. Um, you can catch the videos on my Instagram feed, a.texan.abroad, or the audio versions on my podcast feed, A Texan Abroad, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Find me in either place, subscribe, rate, review, let me know how I'm doing and what you're thinking about what I'm saying. Today I'd like to talk about a pretty broad topic and try and cram as much as we can into the 15 minutes or so. And it's about the military. And I think one of the things that most people stand out, at least from Americans' point of view, or when you're even talking about the military with an American or about America's kind of role globally, militarily speaking, the first thing that comes to mind is actually the amount of money that the U.S. government spends on military each year. Uh, I was actually just refreshing myself uh, earlier this evening, and it looks like $732 billion dollars. Uh, and the next closest is China at 261, the country after that 71, and India, and then Russia at 65. So you're talking about 65 billion uh, as the fourth highest amount, and America is spending 732 every year. So the question I'd like to start with then is, does, the, does America, does the U.S. government spend too much on the military? I think, again, reading those numbers and just thinking about things, you would say absolutely yes. That's the kind of natural inclination, logical first reaction when you hear those numbers. And when you think about the military in general, why do we need such a military? Well, I think that's the ultimate question. It's all about perspective. I have often said, and I argue with a lot of, a lot of friends, a lot of uh, students of mine, that there are cars, there are watches, there are all kinds of things uh, that people spend way too much money on, and I don't understand it. I think it's illogical. I think it's impractical. Um, spending $10,000 on a handbag or $15,000 on a pair of shoes seems absurd to me. Uh, I use my shoes until they literally have holes in them and then sometimes keep wearing them. Uh, and I've had the same you know, two or three suitcases for as long as I can remember. So it is all relative when we talk about how much money someone spends on something. Now, that's not to say that it's justifiable. Just because you have the money, you should spend it on it. And I think America being in a very unique position, one, they've got, they are a country that has access to both oceans, uh, one of very few. So you're talking about, or not both oceans, that they're only two, but the two main oceans that connect it to both Asia and as well as Europe. So the idea of having a a pretty steady, pretty um, potent navy obviously makes sense, but it's also got the world's biggest economy, so it has the money to spend. And one thing that I think you'll, a lot of people outside of America think about when they think of America and Americans even, is the idea of kind of a moral superiority, which I'll tackle a little bit in a second. But when you have all of those things and you want to have influence, the, the idea that you're spending too much money on something, um, I tend to think yes, even, even if we take it into context, even if we look at how much money the American government has, even if we look at the necessity of, of having a big power, 
I still think perhaps they spend too much money on something. What I would like to see perhaps is a little bit more transparency when it comes to those kinds of things. Because, and how much transparency we can have when it comes to the military is also another kind of issue. And a difficult one, because how much can actually be known? Point being, I'm not sure that we're spending too much, but the ultimate question comes down to, does America need to have such a military presence? Which is the second question. If your answer is yes, then I think we're not spending too much. If your answer is no, then we're probably spending too much. So does America, let's get into that. Does America need to have such a strong military presence around the world? The kind of greatest military machine that history has ever known. Um, and... I think it depends on your viewpoint. If you if you like the way that America has handled uh, international relations and international conflicts, if you like the fact that they contribute a lot to a lot of both money and resources uh, to international conflicts and peacekeeping missions, then perhaps your your tendency is to lean yes, uh, it's necessary. It's actually an interesting thing about our current president. He's actually withdrawn a lot of the intellectual. I mean, the uh, international kind of. Uh, what's the right word, influence, not just when it comes to military, but even when it comes to economics. He's actually kind of withdrawn us back into a state of nationalism. And I always found it quite uh, fascinating that if you talked to Republicans and Democrats years ago, they both actually agreed that America needed a more, um, you know, a broad military, um, and a broad international presence, I should say. Uh, a lot of conservatives would, would lean towards a heavy military because you're trying to protect, protect domestic interests. A lot of liberals would say you need, uh, you need international power so that you can help make sure that the world is a safer place generally for all people. And regardless of whether you think you know, they should um, be an influence or not, the question is about the military. Should it be that big? Economics is a good weapon, and that's what a lot of people talk about, economics, diplomacy, some of those things, sanctions, which actually Trump has been quite fond of and used well, uh, I might add. Um, economic sanctions and, and other kinds of tactics work very well with certain actors, but there are also a lot of, as I've said a few times on this podcast, there are a lot of people out there, there are a lot of evil actors that have evil to the core, right? They, they are not someone who's going to back down. They actually look at international norms and they try to take advantage of those ideas. Uh, the ideas that perhaps the U.S. or other Western countries, Eastern countries, whatever it may be, they have some standards, some ideas about how international diplomacy and conflict should take place. And they try and take advantage of that. Um, sometimes, and I'm not a fighter at all. I am a thinker and a, a lover first and definitely not a fighter. But sometimes you've got to punch the guy in the face. Um, that just happens. Now, I'm not the big guy to punch anyone in the face. I've always been relatively small. But I'm, if you've got a pretty big guy in the room that can stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves, then I think that's really helpful in the, in the general scheme of things. We'll get a little bit more into that tomorrow. But one of the aspects that's important of having that big guy is that that big guy's on the right side, that essentially he or she is a moral entity, a moral big guy. Um, and that leads us to the next question, uh, which is kind of a, I was, as I was trying to jot down the different kinds of questions I should be asking when we talk about the military, I came up with a lot of issues that surrounded morality and kind of a few of them. Should the U.S. use drones? Should they use torture techniques on, on uh, you know, 
people they think can give up information? Should they uh, endorse or allow uh, political assassinations, something that happened recently as well? Those are a lot of questions um, that, again, surround morality. What is the morally correct thing to do when it comes to evil actors across the world? And what you deem to be evil actors? Because this is kind of the conundrum that has gotten a lot of countries uh, presently and in the past, especially America, into trouble, is what we deem to be evil actors may not be deemed to be evil actors by another country, by another group of people. Um, they may be deemed to be patriots by another group of people. And then you getting, start getting yourself into conflicts that, that kind of never end, which is another topic we'll touch on in just a second. Point being, I, I think it's pretty easy to take the moral high road. Um, I think it's very simplistic to say that, uh, no, there should be no drone, drones because it essentially dehumanizes war. There should be no torturing because that's, that you have to take the moral high ground. There was a crazy movie years back with Samuel L. Jackson as like a CIA interrogator. And essentially the plot was that there was a guy who they were pretty sure, it was 95%, had, uh, had intel about a nuclear weapon being inside the U.S. borders. And they brought Samuel L. Jackson in to essentially torture this guy. And he even got to the point where he was going to torture this man's children. Um, they ended up not doing it or essentially uh, not taking the steps that you were hoping they wouldn't take. Taking not the moral high ground because he was absolutely interrogated and tortured, but what ultimately ended up happening actually was that there was information and there was a bomb and it blew up and killed a lot of people. Can you uh, sacrifice one life or your morality even? Would you torture someone, one person, uh, in order to get the information to save a million lives? I think it's pretty simplistic and pretty easy to say no, that you shouldn't do it. I think we all have to understand that actually when you value one life versus a million, that's a pretty big uh, leap. And then, of course, there's the slippery slope or the, the question of where, where is it? Is it one to a thousand, one to a hundred, one to fifty? And how sure do you have to be that one of those people is the right target or uh, has the right intel in order to actually get you to that point where you can actually effectuate a difference? What I'm trying to say is I don't think these are easy, easy questions and easy answers. And, and I think a lot of people when they judge the military, when they judge governments, when they judge whether it's the CIA or, or any kind of covert operations, it's pretty easy to sit on your kind of high horse and tell people that you should never do that. But I, actually, I think about a little bit about uh, Sweden and New York City. Sweden, uh, when the pandemic started, took the route that they were just going to try and let people live their lives a little bit. More lives would be lost in the beginning. Bill de Blasio came out and said, I'm not willing to sacrifice even one life. That's a great kind of stance. It's a great soundbite. But more lives have been lost uh, because of the, the length of the pandemic. So again, I think it's pretty easy to say something like that. I think it's much, much more difficult to actually do it. I think ultimately it leads to the fourth question, which is oversight. And how much oversight should there be when it comes to... Uh, you know, specifically the commander-in-chief, but generally the military. And I think 
the, the president in the U.S. has the ability to send troops out for a certain period of time. He does not have the ability to, to declare war. That's left up to Congress. I think the U.S. has a pretty decent system of oversight. Again, I wish there was some more transparency. Um, but how do you become more transparent um, with operations that actually can uh, lead to loss of life of military personnel on the ground or even of innocent civilians because the intel was uh, should be closely guarded? I think it's a difficult question. Again, I think people on one side uh, look at it too, too, with too much ease, I would say. Um, but I do think oversight is a, is a pretty important thing. Um, and making sure that one person doesn't have the ability to drag us into a war, one person doesn't have the ability you know, to launch a nuclear weapon or anything like that. Which actually leads me to the last question, which is often one when we talk about uh, American intervention militarily uh, overseas. And is that, that is, how, how does one go about ending what you know, a lot of people term forever wars? That, I think, is probably one of the most difficult questions. I'll talk a little bit more about the U.S. role abroad tomorrow, but I do think that the U.S. has... There was a great episode of The West Wing, uh, which is one of my favorite shows, one of the greatest screenwriters, Aaron Sorkin. Years ago, there was an episode where the president and a bunch of people were arguing about going in and intervening someplace, and uh, everyone said, no, it's... You know, it's going to have too much political backlash, too much international backlash. And one of the younger speechwriters basically said, when did we start distinguishing between American lives and lives? Uh, lives matter, not just American lives. And so I do think uh, we make a lot of decisions that perhaps uh, are even morally justified. But the problem is that we get into some situations where we don't have a way out. And uh, using another TV show... Homeland, I think, in a couple of uh, seasons ago before it finished, there was a great opening scene where he said, how do we get these guys out? Well, we need 25,000 teachers and 100,000 troops. That's the kind of situation you get in. So I think the, the main thing is actually allowing some of these countries to work towards independence and kind of independent operation, specifically with teachers and other fundamental aspects they need to their economy and their, their society. And then I don't know. I don't think it's an easy answer. Um, but I think education, as with a lot of things, is, is a part of the answer and a part of the key. Um, and I'll keep thinking about it. And I hope you think about what I've said tonight. And until tomorrow, I'm Jackson Abraham.